Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you ways to check in with yourself to help you change your mood. I'll also be interviewing transformational executive coach and founder of Brilliance Incorporated, Denise Green. If you've ever asked the question, how do I manage all the additional responsibilities on top of my already full plate? Well, then Denise has your answer for how you can prioritize. For more information about Denise, please visit www.work-lifebrilliance.com forward slash lifeology. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Ways to check in with yourself to change your mood. Have you ever woken up on the wrong side of the bed and all you want to do is just turn over and fall back asleep? (laughs) We've all been there before. However, in doing that, we forget that our body has a lot of energy, but we've allowed our mind to dictate what it can and cannot do. During the day, we have so many responsibilities and people rely heavily on us. But unfortunately, if we don't take the time to reset and check in with ourselves, we can carry one emotional estate into the next event. And in doing that, we'll often find that we can overreact about something and it just doesn't make sense why we feel a certain way. I always have people create two scales for themselves. And these two scales are like this. From a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your mood? So 10 is the best you've ever felt and one is the worst you've ever felt. And then the second scale is the same thing when it comes to your physical body. On a scale of one to 10, how do you physically feel or how much energy do you have? So 10 is you feel the best you've ever felt and one is you feel the worst you've ever felt. And the reason why you want to create these two scales is like I said earlier, if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, your emotions then determine what you physically can and cannot do. So now if I woke up and I have a cold or I'm not feeling well, well, then it makes sense that I would stay in bed, but it doesn't mean that that has to affect my mood. So it is important that you understand the difference because if you allow your mood to dictate how your body responds, then unfortunately you're doing yourself a disservice because you can still do all the responsibilities you have to do. So I always tell people when you first wake up in the morning, you want to use these two scales to get a good baseline. Once you get to work, I would have you redo that because if you do wake up in a frustrated mood, you want to make sure that when you start your responsibilities for the day, that you can make yourself focus on the responsibilities as opposed to your mood. 
and a focusing on the responsibilities allows the energy that your body currently has to be able to be successful in what you have to do. Then I would have you check in with yourself around noon. A lot can happen from the time you start your day until noon. So let's say at nine o'clock when you're at work, you get into an argument with a coworker. And at noon, when you check in with yourself and you realize that your emotional state is, let's say, a five or six, you can ask yourself, well, why am I still feeling this way if I had this argument with someone at 9 a.m.? Why am I carrying this over three hours later? That event is over. So when you check in with yourself and it causes you to have a stop and think, or in other words, a reset to say, what I'm feeling now, is it being influenced by something that happened earlier? And then when you check in with yourself for your physical body, you'll know, yes, I still have some more energy. I'm doing well. I'm allocating this energy appropriately. So let's say you check in with yourself around five o'clock. And that's usually around the time most people end work. So you do these two scales again. And at five o'clock, you realize, okay, something happened at 1 p.m. and I'm still holding on to that. Then you choose, and this is a self-responsibility, to let that go. Because remember, what happened earlier in the day does not have to affect you right now. And my point in saying all this is because we can often say, I had the worst day ever. The reality is you didn't have the worst day ever. You may have had maybe five or six minutes of frustration, but that's not the full day. So that's why it's so important to compartmentalize what you're feeling and leaving it at that past time frame so you don't bring it into the next thing you do. So after 5 p.m. and you've reset how you feel, you get home, you can leave work at work. And then at night, you can check in with yourself again to reset so you have a good night's rest. And then the next day, you start that over. The more often you practice this, you'll find that you can quickly reset yourself when you recognize that you have a spike of emotion. And what I mean by a spike of emotion is if you're talking to someone and all of a sudden you feel something that just feels disproportionate to what's happening, more than likely you've carried something over from a previous time in the day. And then as soon as you feel that, you reset, you have that internal awareness, you leave it behind you. And in that moment, when you're talking to that person, you can calm yourself down and focus specifically on what they're saying and be proactive about the response as opposed to being reactive from something that happened earlier in the day. So really make sure you practice these two skills. I have a fantastic interview with Denise Green. She gives you some really practical tools and ways to prioritize and helps you understand how your brain understands prioritizing and why you may struggle with that. So stay tuned. Are you an expert in your field or an author who wants massive exposure? I am now looking for self-development experts to be a promotional guest on Lifeology. Currently, Lifeology has an average listenership of over 3 million people per episode. If you are ready to invest in your brand and promote yourself on Lifeology, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest and apply for this opportunity. This is only for a limited time and only a select few will be chosen. So if you're ready to reach a global audience, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest to apply. My guest today is Denise Green, who is a transformational executive coach and founder of Brilliance Incorporated. She's here today to share her wisdom regarding prioritizing. If you've ever asked the question, how do I manage all the additional responsibilities on top of my already full plate? Well, Denise has your answer. Welcome to my show, Denise. Thank you, James. I am excited to be here. I am as well. You have an amazing expertise. Well, multiple expertises, but I was really excited about this particular show pitch because I know there's so many people like I can't do anymore. 
Yes, um, right. And it is a, well, actually, I love it when people say that because <laughs> what people usually stay, say instead is I should be able to do more and I have to mm. do it all. So oh. once people get to that point where they realize they have hit the wall, they're in a better place. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is so funny. Now, let me back up for just get a little bit of your origin story. How did you become a transformational executive coach? Uh, I hit a wall. So I was working in corporate America and I had a great job. I had a great career, but I felt very frustrated. I was having existential angst. Um, I, oh gosh, yeah. I got a coach and it was, oh, I mean, it was like a salve for the soul. It mm. was beyond, I mean, I, I was in training already. I was, but I wasn't coaching and I'd never received true coaching. And there's a huge difference. That's for oh sure. Oh <laughs> gosh. And I just thought this is magic. What, yeah. uh, and, and then I started to dip my toe in the water and I asked her, what do you think about me becoming a coach someday? And she's like, done, drop the mic. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so that is awesome. I then just, I, I've always been inquisitive. I've always, I, as a kid, I was interested in personal mm -hmm. growth and all sorts of interesting things. And I'm a learner like yourself. We both have liberal arts degrees and uh, uh -huh. study the brain and the bot and human. Anyways, um, so I was in the field, but I wasn't doing it. And then neuroscience started to really becoming applicable to understanding human behavior in, yeah. um, in a more easy way to apply. And for me, I am all about minimum effective dose. And so mm -hmm. I want to help people quickly I know they're too busy to take on, you know, a huge program, get a master's degree and all that. Um, so I became fascinated with how can I package things to help people transform quickly? Oh, I like that. I like that because it, the practical tools and techniques we can, in fact, you're going to teach us today, that can literally change someone's life. I always tell people a minor adjustment can make a major improvement in one's well-being. It's absolutely true. And people don't realize that they think they have to do yeah. it the hard way. Mm -hmm. And then they read a book, which is great. Read a book, mm -hmm. read mine. Fine. I don't care. Um, but then they, but then they feel guilty that they're not using the book. I'm like, the book is too big. It's too much. Yeah. You're yeah. over, your brain is overwhelmed by the book and you don't know what to do with it now. So don't feel guilty. Just pick mm -hmm. one little tiny thing that is going to be the fulcrum that's going to make the big change in your life right now. I love that because it, when you when you can compartmentalize things, just little nuggets, that is applicable right this second. But like you said, a program or a book or whatever it may be, it, you don't, well, for one, when are you going to find time to read it <laughs> if you're already struggling with when, when do I find time? But there's so many wonderful things that, that you know, we can learn just from a simple conversation like this. Yeah. So if I forget to say it at the end of this talk, I want, I want people to just take one tiny little thing and do one tiny little baby step that feels so mm -hmm. pathetically small that they almost feel guilty that it's such a small baby step. <laughs> Give us an example of one of them. Oh, um, like scheduling something on your calendar to do tomorrow, but scheduling yeah. it today uh, to remind you tomorrow. That sounds so pathetic, but your brain will go, oh, you did something. Yes. You actually yes. did something tangible. You took a little baby step toward that thing. Or, you know, I, t I use this silly example for, okay, somebody decides they want to train for a marathon. I'm like, your brain is freaking out right now. Okay. Yeah. So um, what can you do that will make your brain happy that is on the path toward a marathon? And mm -hmm. oftentimes they come up with, I'm going to look for shoes on Amazon. Great. Perfect. Spend five minutes looking for shoes on Amazon. Have fun. 
I love that. Well, not only that, but also creates dopamine in your brain and it allows people to come from a place of defeat to have that chemical surge of the neurochemicals, which all of a sudden allows them to feel good. So if you can link together a feel good chemical in your brain with an action you really don't like, it starts to change how you see that action. That's exactly right. That's how you build momentum. Mm -hmm. And that's how you build new habits is through dopamine and those constant little wins. And when you set yourself up too big, you fail and you get a dopamine crash. And then yes. you get grief. grief. Dopamine crash is grief. So if you've ever like been excited about something and then not done it and felt horrible uh, with the guilt and the shame and all that, uh, you're having a dopamine crash and it just means that your goal was too big. So make it yeah. smaller. And then you have this aversion towards doing it again because you thought, well, I failed before. I didn't do it. So now I don't want to do this again because it might, you know, and it creates this self-fulfilling prophecy and this cycle. And all of a sudden we just don't do anything. Right. <laughs> Which is really sad. Right. But that's how we're wired. And I just want people to be nice to themselves and realize if this is happening to you, it's because you have a normal human brain that is still wired for roaming the savannah mm-hmm. and really only has this one goal. And it is to move you away from pain toward pleasure while conserving energy. I like that. I mean, that's, that's very practical. It's very practical. And people people misunderstand what that means by moving away from pain. They think, well, I'm not Mm -hmm. in severe danger. Uh, But your brain doesn't care if you're being chased down a dark alley or if your boss is asking for something tomorrow, your brain has the same reaction. It certainly does. So, and this whole conserving energy thing, what people don't realize about prioritization is it's actually one of the most, if not the most energy depleting activities you can do in your brain. And so of course your brain is going going to say, don't prioritize your day, just get up, roll over, check your email (laughs) and um, just do what you feel like doing. Go into email and respond to those urgent things. Uh, Meanwhile, you have just handed over your entire agenda for the day to everybody in your inbox. You have lost control Mm. and now you feel chaotic. Um, And then later in the day, you feel like you haven't done anything important. You feel guilty. You feel overwhelmed. You, you know, so it's all this, this vicious cycle, like you said. And if we just use some tools and put some habits and structures in place to force ourselves to do this painful thing that takes a lot of energy, that painful thing of prioritizing will actually start to become pleasurable. Ah, change that chemical response. Yes, exactly. We are training the brain to redefine something that's painful to pleasure. Just like when you first start exercising, your brain's going to go, this sucks. I hate this. Um, (laughs) But then because of the endorphins, you will get addicted to the good thing. So we can get addicted to broccoli, green smoothies, you know, anything. But in the beginning, we have to know that it is going to be painful. So we have to have Mm -hmm. a bigger why we're doing it. And we have to start small. So that's why I just tell people, just use my very, very, very simple prioritization tool. And if you can avoid that impulse to check your email in the morning and have something else ready for you to do instead, like uh, saying a little gratitude that you're even alive, that you're taking a breath right now, uh, setting an attention for how you want to spend your day. Um, And maybe you even prioritized your day beforehand. Uh, and so you just get up and go to the desk and start working on that thing that you know is the most important thing. I'm sure people listening right now would say, all right, Denise, I hear that. It makes sense. Um, I've always checked my email or I've always checked my social media. Or I've always done all these other things. What, what are some ways that maybe perhaps even the night before that when they do wake up, they can immediately do something. So give us a, a few more 
techniques or options. I know you said about the gratitude, uh, the, the prayer, the gratitude. What are some additional things people can do to help them not fall into that trap of giving their power away and not being able to prioritize? Well, ideally, you don't even have technology in your, in your bedroom. It's not smart. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? So if the phone is in the bathroom, you, you just automatically get a reminder. Oh, the phone's in the bathroom for a reason. I am. Mm, I am. I like that. I am. But so I use my phone as my clock. Uh, so I just make sure it's on do not disturb. So at night I'm not getting emails. I, there is no yeah, buildup. I mm. have no social, this is, I know this is going to sound extreme to people, but, um, I don't know my social media passwords, so I cannot, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> I log that. on on my phone. That is good. That is really and good. That's, of, that's actually smart because it's a built in blocker for that. It's a built in blocker. So I have to literally go to my computer and log on and my computer remembers my passwords and all that. Uh, but it takes extra steps for me yeah. to go onto social media um, because it is, it's a black hole, right? You get it, oh my gosh, sucked in and how do you get out? Or, you know, if we're talking about overwhelm, the actual definition of overwhelm is to feel submerged underwater, like you're drowning. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think of these social media apps as, um, what are the the swirling the whirlpools? Whirlpools, <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> in, and it takes so much energy to come back out of those. Yes. And it's like, what happened to the time? Yeah, especially when you see people, their opinions are completely different than yours. And if it does spark some type of emotion, then all of a sudden you want to fire back something at them, and all of that, the gratitude that we talked about earlier, all that's completely gone. <laughs> it's gone, but you've made Facebook a lot of money because yeah, yeah, exactly. The way they make money is by you spending more time on there. Yeah. So they are deliberately trying to get you into those conversations and spend more time mm -hmm. there. Um, so they're having to create negative chemicals. So those little red dots that um, appear in the corner of your app to tell you, oh, my God, somebody wants to tell you something. Those used to be blue dots. But in Silicon Valley. Oh, Valley, really? Yes. I didn't know that. No, but blue didn't scare your brain enough. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, yeah, I didn't realize that. So yeah. Silicon Valley made them red. And now it's saying that thing you prioritized over there, ignore that because this is on fire. Oh, interesting. Oh, so smart. So manipulative. <laughs> yes. I mean, they're just making money. And so when you, I don't know if that answered your question. I, I, yeah. I well, I, yeah, no, you certainly did. What I wanted to ask you as well is when it comes to prioritizing, how do people say this is more relevant than other things? Because if we only have 24 hours in the day or a certain time when we're awake, how do people truly prioritize those things? So everybody's different. But I have two ways that I help people do this. One is a, called a brilliant life assessment. It's a one pager where in less than six minutes, people will get a big picture of where their life is as of today and where their satisfaction is in relationship to how much they value something. Ah. And you can just do this on a scrap of paper, but you, you write down all the elements of life and sleep is one of them. And how sat, how important is this to you? And then how satisfied are you? And it's just, you get this visual. I had a, mm. I had a data modeler come up to me one time. She's like, I've done a million assessments, but nothing was so fast and so revealing as this. And that's perfect. I've never had anybody score too high in their satisfaction for health. Uh, I've never had anybody score too high in their satisfaction of their sleep quality. I have had people score too high in money. I mean, I work with corporate people. Some of them have mm -hmm. a lot of money and they're like, yeah. wait, why, why am I still working this hard? Um, That's a good point. That's a very good point. And I've had a lot of people score too high in service to others. Like I'm giving and giving That's and huge. giving and giving and giving one. and I am not asking for help and I am not giving to myself. So it's really relative is what it boils down to. However, there are certain things that if you want 
to live a brilliant, productive, happy life, you have to prioritize. And, you know, some people bucket it under self-care. I'm really specific. Like every day you have to move. You have yes. to move your body every day. Yes. You have to That's get what adequate, I teach as well. yeah, yes. adequate sleep, adequate hydration, adequate nutrition. Because if you are not giving your brain glucose every 90 minutes, preferably mm-hmm. in the form of not sugar spikes, but, you know, nuts and I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. dark, dark chocolate, if you need to, um, then your brain will fail and you will become unfocused. Yes. Connection with human beings. The brain needs that. The vagus nerve is developed by connection with human beings. And the vagus nerve is what controls the fight, flight, tug of war. So you're going to lose that tug of war and be stressed all the time if you don't have somebody in your life who has a safe connection. So cultivating that connection, um, even if it's just an email or a five-minute phone call. Uh, And then, uh, of course, we all need to make money. So, you know, those, to the extent that we need to. Some people, you know, like, like I said, it's done. We don't need to do that. But meeting your basic needs. Do you have food? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's important. Just even saying your basic needs, uh, just because sleep is a basic need. Food is a basic need. Nourishment. I mean, all of that, um, all of that is a basic need. You know, we can use from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which really goes through the baseline of that and works its way all the way up. But it is important. But I, th- I think what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is so many people don't have their basic needs met. And so they give to more people or they focus more on things that don't allow them to grow and develop. So for example, if they're at work all the time, which is, makes sense if people have to do that. But if they're giving and giving and giving or not setting limits or not setting boundaries with people, then all of a sudden their primary needs are not going to be met because there's no time for them. That's right. And unfortunately, what we find is that people don't realize they have primary needs that aren't getting met until they end up on medical leave. Oh, that's a, well, unfortunately, that's a good point. It's a very good point. They end up sick. Uh, so we don't want to wait to that point. We want to meet the needs now. And then, of course, there's the psychological needs. If you don't learn to manage your brain through some kind of mindfulness practice, I teach a thought upgrade a practice that catches negative thoughts and shifts them immediately. And by the way, your brain is wired. Again, this is you have a normal brain if you think negatively, because our brain is wired to think negatively five times more often as positively. Yes, yes exactly. Just to keep us alive. But with practice, you can catch those thoughts and you can actually change the ratio to be more positive. So I actually do consider that uh, a priority in every day is to notice thoughts and shift them. And if you mm-hmm. are not able to do that, to practice it and to develop that that mental capability to do that. And then And then you get to decide, what is my must do? I don't make to-do lists. Um, Most people have should-do lists that are just filled with guilty tasks. They think they they should do, but they really don't want to, or they really don't need to. Uh, And your brain is going to do what feels good. So like I said, it's going to respond to that boss email, Mm -hmm. even though it may be your kid's teacher or the project you need to work on personally that needs the most attention and needs... Uh, so what I like to do is tell people, figure out what your best thinking time is. For most people, it is sometime in the morning after they've had mm-hmm. 30 minutes of caffeine. That's most people. Yeah. Mine's nine to 1030. That's where mine is. I was just going to say, you're one of those rare people. <laughs> and, you know, in the corporate world, it's hard to be a night owl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to figure it out. If that's the best time for you to think, then what do you need to do to protect that space? I mean, you have barbed wire around that. There is do not disturb. Well, it's creating boundaries. You have to create those boundaries. Yeah, because people are going to interrupt you. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't know. I had a woman who was so resentful, growing so resentful 
but it was because she had not set boundaries. So of course, the minute she got into the office, her team was there asking her for help. Yeah. And she always gave it like, this is not your team's fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, right? Well, we, yeah, we actually train people how to, we train people how to interact with us. And if there's no boundaries, then it's okay to do that. And so, you know, that's interesting that, that resentment she's having, but unfortunately she's allowing that to happen, which I'm sure we all do. And I'm, so that is something just to be aware of that we all need to be mindful of how are we setting boundaries in our life? Oh yeah. Resentment is wonderful in that it is a signal that you are feeling, um, you are overgiving in some area of your life. I, I think that's a really relevant point because I've, I think many people don't realize that because we feel victimized and in, in obviously no judgment at that, with that feeling at all. But when people feel victimized in that respect, like I'm, the people are treating me this way or they're asking too much of me. But I do think that is something that when we have that internal reflection, it does give us that, that epiphany of this is something I am doing. And when we can come from a place of being proactive and we can, then we can focus on what we can change as opposed to the resentment of what we cannot change. Absolutely. And um, no, people should not feel judged by that because your brain's default mode is victim mode, because guess what? Mm -hmm. Victim mode's easier than anything yeah, else. Yeah, certainly. You don't have to do anything. You can just be resentful. And so you don't have to expend any energy. You can just stay in the cave and be resentful of everything going on. So we, with my client, she realized, okay, what can I do that is within my control? So I'm not mm -hmm. a victim anymore. She changed her going to sleep schedule. She changed her morning schedule. She started doing her best work before anybody in her house even got up. She oh, asked awesome. for help from her family and they were like, what's the big deal? Of course we'll help you. you know? <laughs> Why didn't you ask me? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and she told her team, I will start taking questions after 10 AM. <laughs> and perfect. And then she also awesome. said, Oh, and by the way, I've been too helpful. I'm not growing you people. So instead yeah. of just giving you all the answers and advice, I'm going to start asking you questions. Otherwise they would have been like, what's wrong? Why is she asking yeah. those questions instead? Yeah. So she primed them to know, Hey, you're helping me. I'm helping you. And Everything changed because she decided to take control and do the hard thing. The hardest thing for her that her brain said, don't do, don't do, was ask for help. Wow. And with that, that is, it, you know, it's really linked together with ask for help, but that really is a form of prioritizing as well. I'm once again, putting my needs first because I need help from this. And in doing that, that then allows me to be able to help you. That's right. So you just hit on, I have a 4D model. It's very simple. We just talked about the must do. It's not a do, to do, it's a must do. The other D is delegate and inc it includes asking for help. So there are things you are doing that somebody else could do and wants to do or needs to do, like mm -hmm. need to clean your house. They need to make that money. They need to walk your dog. They need to make that money. You need the help. Um, and then there are people who will do things for you for free in your household. And they may do it begrudgingly at first, but your kids will get used to doing the dishes. <laughs> they will get used to doing the laundry. Uh, and I had a, a brilliant woman say to me, I don't know how to ask for help. I said, yes, you do. You're smart. You just don't want to do it. Oh, yes, yeah. that's, that's the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Denise, I, we have had such a fantastic talk today. You have so much wisdom, so much knowledge. I know you've written a book. You, I know so many people can work with you. If my listeners uh, would like to find out more information about you, to listen to your amazing podcasts, to get to know where you are, where are they find this information online? Oh, uh, I've had so much fun too. So I know we, <laughs> we could talk about this for hours, but uh, we don't have hours. So worklifebrilliance.com is a place to find my podcast. You just need to scroll to the bottom of the page. Um, it's a place to find all my courses. Um, it's work-lifebrilliance.com. 
Perfect. And if my listeners aren't able to find that information, simply go to the show notes at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and you can find all of it there. Denise, thank you so much for your wisdom. I have learned a lot today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been really fun for me. Thanks for having me on. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.